Two weeks ago, I referred to what are commonly known as the seven last words of Jesus on the cross. And as we noted, a couple of them were actually David's words in Psalm 22 before they were Jesus' words from the cross. In our text for today, John will share two more. But before we get into the text, I want to briefly look at all seven words from the cross. The first three, perhaps surprisingly to some, do not focus on the horror of what Jesus was experiencing on the cross. Instead, they express his concern for others. His first word from the cross was, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. His second was addressed to the repentant thief. Truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. His third word, the one we looked at last week, was spoken to his mother and to the apostle John. Woman, behold your son, behold your mother. His last four words did express the struggle he was enduring on our behalf. The first of the last four, also spoken a thousand years earlier by David, was recorded by both Matthew and Mark. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? His fifth and sixth, sixth words will come to today. I am thirsty and it is finished. Now, Mark mentioned Jesus' final cry, but only Luke actually recorded it. Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. This morning, I want us to focus our attention on what Jesus said shortly before bowing his head and dismissing his spirit. It is finished. It is finished. What did he mean by that? What did Jesus mean when he said... It is finished. Now, I think the words can be interpreted in at least three ways. So let's explore the possibilities and see if we can discern the mind of Christ at the time of his impending death. We pick up the text right after John shared Jesus' words to his mother and to him. After this, Jesus knowing that all things had already been accomplished, in order to fulfill the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine upon a branch of hyssop and brought it to his mouth. When Jesus, therefore, had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Again, I ask, what did he mean by that? It is finished. Might those words be a cry of defeat? You know, at the time of death, we often speak of someone having lost the battle. And indeed, sickness and disease are enemies that we fight valiantly like the woman who touched the fringe of Jesus' cloak after suffering with a hemorrhage for 12 years, we often endure much at the hands of many physicians. 
And like her, many do spend all they have in the hopes of winning a battle with a disease that might lead to death. You know, we willingly put ourselves under a surgeon's knife. We allow our bodies to be poisoned and radiated. We make ourselves miserable in the hopes of getting better. Sometimes we win. Sometimes we lose. We pray for God to heal us. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he doesn't. But even if by God's grace we do win the battle and are given more time, someday we will die. And as death closes in, we or someone standing nearby may very well say, it is finished. Does that mean we've gone down in defeat? It might. And some would suggest that that's the picture we see on the cross. You know, on more than one occasion, Jesus did narrowly escape death. During a visit to his hometown synagogue, he had so enraged the worshipers that they rose up against him and led him up a hill, planning to throw him off the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went on his way. When a mob picked up stones to throw at him, Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. When the Pharisees counseled together against him as to how they might destroy him, he withdrew from the city. And when he was warned that Herod wanted to kill him, he said, Go tell that fox, behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow. And the third day, I reach my goal. It may have appeared that he had actually reached that goal when he entered Jerusalem triumphantly. He was hailed as the son of David who had come to reestablish the kingdom of Israel. He was greeted by multitudes who spread their garments and branches on the road crying, Hosanna. He marched into the temple and again cast out those who had made it into a den of thieves. He restored it to a place of prayer and healed the blind and lame came to him there. But now, five days later, he was nailed to a cross between two thieves dying like a common criminal. He had lost a lot of blood and had been hanging on the cross for six hours. It had been nearly 20 hours since he had had anything to drink, so he asked for something to quench his thirst and then said, it is finished. That could be a picture of defeat, of crushed dreams, of failure. But was it? Had Jesus lost the battle? Had his plans been thwarted by superior forces? Had he been defeated by the enemy? (laughs) Absolutely not. He was doing exactly what he had planned on doing. He was doing what had been foretold by the prophets hundreds of years earlier. He was doing what he had told his disciples to expect before they entered into Jerusalem. He said to them, Behold, We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death, 
and will deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and scourge and crucify him. And on the third day, he will be raised up. So no, no. When Jesus said, it is finished, he wasn't saying, I have failed. It's over. I didn't make it. It was not a cry of defeat. So was it a cry of relief, you know? While Christians have no reason to fear death, most of us are still afraid of dying. We don't want to have to go through what we've seen others go through. And how many times have we said something to the effect, I hope I just go to sleep and wake up in the arms of Jesus. The process of dying is often very difficult and sometimes extremely painful. Medical care can often lessen the pain before death, but sometimes it can't. But either way, it's seldom a pleasant experience. Last Sunday, Burl's brother and his wife were in a horrible car crash on their way home from church. Both had to be airlifted to St. Louis. Burl's sister-in-law survived, but is facing numerous surgeries and months of rehabilitation. His brother's injuries were even more extensive, and he was put on life support. On Monday evening, the decision was made to pull the plug. Doing so was very hard, but with it came a sense of relief because no one wanted to put him through drastic medical procedures with little, if any, hope of recovery. Paul's dad passed away several weeks ago. For months, he had been in excruciating pain, but tried hard not to show it. After he had a finger removed due to gangrene, he had the family pose with him for a picture, and everyone was smiling, holding a hand high with only four fingers showing. When he was cheering for Carter at basketball games, no one could tell his feet were dying and literally killing him. On several occasions, though, he told his family members he didn't want anyone to be in tears when he died because it would be the happiest day of his life. He was, of course, anticipating the joy of seeing his Savior and those who had gone before him into Christ's presence. But he was also expressing the happiness that would be his when the pain was gone. A sense of relief often comes at the time of death. And some might suggest that's what Jesus was expressing when he cried, it is finished. He'd been through a day of unbelievable torment. He had been beaten by the soldiers. He had been scourged, his back ripped open by a Roman whip. He had been forced to carry his cross through the city streets until he collapsed 
under its weight. He had been stripped and nailed, hands and feet, to a cross. When he asked for a drink, he had been given sour vinegar wine in a dirty sponge on the end of a stick. But it was almost over. Death was just around the corner. He would be returning to his heavenly father. He would be freed from his pain. It is finished. Could have expressed a sense of relief. And it may have. But it also expressed much more than that. For it was without a doubt, primarily, a cry You know, death will give us the opportunity to hear the words we all long to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. With our last breath, we will leave behind the flesh and blood that cannot inherit the kingdom of God. For this perishable nature of ours must be wrapped in imperishability. These bodies which are mortal must be wrapped in immortality. So when the perishable is lost in the imperishable, the mortal lost in the immortal, this saying will come true. Death is swallowed up in victory. For where now, O death, is your power to hurt us? Where now, O grave, is the victory you hope to win? It is sin which gives death its sting, and it's the law which gives sin its strength. All thanks to God, then, who gives us the victory over these things through our Lord Jesus Christ. Shortly before his execution, the Apostle Paul wrote, I have fought. The good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. The same was true of Jesus. He had finished the course laid out by him and for him. A course that had been set in the Garden of Eden, if not before. After Satan in the form of a serpent, beguiled Eve and opened the door for Adam to join her in sin against their creator, a prophetic statement was made that was played out on Calvary. God had concluded the curse against the serpent with these words. But I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. This verse is known as the Proto-Evangelium, a compound of two Greek words meaning first and good news. It's the first time the good news of salvation is foretold. Satan and his seed, his demonic forces, would be able to bruise the seed of woman, a virgin-born son of God, on the heel. They would cause him much pain, even drive a spike through his feet. But it would only bruise him. It would kill him, 
temporarily, but it had come back to life three days later. Satan, on the other hand, would be bruised on the head. He would receive a fatal blow when Jesus died on the cross to save us and will be finished off when the saved crush him under their feet. Jesus knew that he had done all that he had come to do. He had accomplished all that he set out to accomplish. He had fulfilled all that had been planned and foretold. So he asked for a drink, cleared his throat, and cried out with a loud voice, It is finished. If his hands had been free and it happened today, he would have no doubt raised a victorious fist while declaring, it is finished. It was preeminently a cry of victory. He had done what he set out to do. He had fulfilled his purpose for coming to earth. He had lived the perfect life. He had fulfilled all righteousness. He had obeyed every intent of the law. He had fulfilled the scriptures. He had set the example. He had laid the foundation stone for the kingdom. He had changed the course of history. He had done the Father's will. He had demonstrated the Father's love. He had upheld the Father's word. He had met the demands of justice. He had paid the price for sin. He had become the sacrificial lamb. He had conquered the forces of evil. He had set the captives free. He had completed the work of redemption. It was finished. He could bow his head and dismiss his spirit. In absolute control to the very end, he said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. It was finished. Hallelujah. What a Savior.